so we have two readings today. Uh, both of them are calling on God's people to follow him. So the first one, God is speaking through Moses to Israel, and in the second, it's Jesus. So if you will turn with me to the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 30, and we're going to begin at verse 11. So Deuteronomy 30, verse 11 to 20. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Our second reading is in the New Testament uh, in John chapter 3. So John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe how then 
sorry. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Awesome. Thanks very much, Kylie. Uh, Morning again, everyone. Um, It is always a delight to be with you guys in the morning and to uh, open God's word with you. Um, Before we start, though, how about I lead us in prayer? Uh, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you speak to us, uh, that you let us know what it looks like to love and follow you who has loved us so deeply. And so, Father, we pray today that you give us ears to hear and hearts to listen and change and follow you more and more each and every day. Amen. Uh, Well, friends, uh, big news, I'm sure you know, invites a big response. Uh, When you hear news of someone's engagement, for example, um, you rejoice, you celebrate. Um, There are parties, there's weddings, there's all kinds of joy at big news. Um, If you hear news of a road closure, you're going to change your plans, you're going to uh, take a different route, you might adjust your timing, your travel plans. Um, If I told you the big news that there was significant structural damage to our ministry centre here and the roof was going to collapse in about 30 seconds time, you would jump out of your seat and you would run for the door. Uh, You're not going to uh, sit there and, and patiently wait. You're not going to uh, ask the person nicely, politely next to you, do you mind if I just you know, scooch past? I'm just going to... No, if you hear news like that, you're going to respond in a big way. Um, the roof here is not going to collapse as far as I understand, so um, don't worry about that, hopefully. Uh, big news invites a big response. Uh, Over the last five weeks, uh, we've been going through the boxes of two ways to live. Uh, We've been hearing the biggest, the greatest, the best news that has ever been told. Uh, And today we're going to consider the kind of response that that big news invites, that that news in fact demands of us. And we're going to hear that there are in fact only two ways that we can live. We're going to ask ourselves, which of those ways will we live Uh, We're going to think a bit about our way, about um, what it looks like and what its consequences are, our old way, and we're going to consider as well God's new way, uh, the glory and the beauty of this other way to live, and then we'll finish, we'll think about some kind of specifics of what that could look like for us today. Um, That's where we're going. Uh, But first, a bit of a reminder of where we've been, a rundown of this glorious good news that we've heard over the last five boxes. 
good news that was set in motion at the beginning of time, um, and that's where we're going to start. Um, we are going to zoom pretty quickly through this, so hopefully uh, you've been here, you've been hearing it, you've been looking at it in your growth groups. Um, if this is your first time with us, um, just do your best to keep up. I'm sure you'll be capable. Um, box one. First of all, we saw God, the good ruler and creator. Uh, he is the ruler of the world. He made the world. He made us to rule his good world, giving thanks and honor to him. Uh, and we read in Revelation 4.11, a song of praise to God saying, You, God, are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. By your will they were created and have their being. Uh, this was the good world, how God created things to be in the beginning. But as we look around, it's obvious that that's not our world today. What happened? Uh, that's where we heard box two, our rebellion against God. We all reject God as ruler by running our own lives our way. By rebelling against God's way, we damage ourselves, each other, and the world. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the question was raised, what is God going to do about our rebellion? Box three, God's justice. God won't let us rebel forever. His punishment for rebellion is death and judgment. This is hard to hear. Hebrews 9, people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. If these first three boxes are true, it means that we are in deep trouble. And at this point, if you haven't been with us, you might be thinking, Reese, I thought you said this was good news. This is terrible news. This is awful news. And if this were the end of the story, you'd be right. But it's not the end of the story. Box four, God sent Jesus to die for us. Because of his love, God sent his son, Jesus, into the world Jesus always lived under God's rule, and Jesus took our punishment by dying in our place. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each have turned to our own way, as we heard before, but that verse continues, and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The righteous Jesus dying for us unrighteous rebels. But again, that wasn't all. Box five, which was last week, Jesus, the risen ruler and saviour. God raised Jesus to life again as ruler and judge of the world. Jesus has conquered death, now brings forgiveness and new life and will return in glory. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the great and glorious news of the gospel as told in the Bible. Jesus died for sinners and has risen again to reign forever. And big news invites big response. Where does it leave us? It leaves us with a clear choice between these two ways to live that today is all about. Box six two ways to live. Uh, in John 3.36, just a little bit after our Bible reading this morning, uh, is the verse that is given for this part of two ways to live. Uh, there we get this light reflection on Jesus' ministry thus far in John's biography. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, 
But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. It couldn't be much clearer, could it? There are two options for how we can live. And this kind of dichotomy, this binary choice, is not unique to this moment in the Bible. It's been the repeated witness all throughout Scripture. Uh, Back in our first reading, uh, Deuteronomy 30, God has rescued His people out of Egypt. He's instructing them how they are to live as His people. The call on them, how will you live? As God says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, as if that was a hard decision. Choose life that you and your children may live. It was Jesus' call on Nicodemus. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. The implicit challenge to Nicodemus, will you remain in the flesh, loving darkness, practicing wicked things? Or will you be born again, born of spirit, loving light and living by truth? For Israel, for Nicodemus, For us today, there are only two ways to live. To unpack these two ways a bit, first we're going to look back at life lived our way. Uh, The way that every human in history has defaulted to, we all reject God as ruler. That's really small, I hope you can see that. Remember, God is our good ruler and creator. He made you and He made me. He made our whole world. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything that you delight in, that you enjoy, uh, the joy of good relationships with family and friends, uh, the thrill of a good book or film or TV series, uh, that satisfaction and delight of a good meal, a delicious meal, a job well done, uh, the joy of, of sunflowers and, and sunrises and days at the beach, all these good things come from our good Creator. And as our Maker, He is the one with the right to rule. Um, one of my friends recently went to a blacksmithing class with their family, like that sounds really cool. I, I'm pretty jealous. Um, they, they went, they get this bit of metal, they kind of heat it and they hammer it and they shape it and they make like a, this S hook is what my friend made. There's a nail, there's a dice. Um, uh, the, her brother made a, a butter knife, right? This S hook, she could decide what she's going to do with it. It might be used to hang a beautiful Christmas ornament or you could like stick it in the toilet and, and hang a bit of toilet paper off it. Um, the butter knife her brother made, you could, you could use that to, to smear freshly churned butter on this beautifully fresh baked bread. Or you could take it into the garden and use it as a tool in the dirt. As the makers of these objects, uh, my friend and her family, they have the right to determine how those objects ought to be used, what they should be used for. So it is with God. He made the world, He made us and our whole world, everything here, and He has the right and authority to tell us how we ought to live. Uh, One of the the beauties and glories of it is that it's not as a a tyrannical overlord who's going to smack us around and, and boss us around, but as a loving, good ruler who invites us to live in the way that is best for us. And yet so often... We live our way instead. 
and we heard just how that rebellion will go for us. You remember, we are damaged by our rebellion. Um, If God tells us the best way to live in His world that He made us to live in, living our way is never going to be as good for us. Living our way, it harms our relationship with God as we fail to give Him the honour and glory that He deserves. Like a, a misbehaving NRL player brings disrepute to his code, our rebellion dishonours God, the good God who made us and who loves us. But it doesn't just damage our relationship with God, does it? It damages our relationships with one another. As each of us seeks our own personal good instead of the good of the other, as we treat fellow human beings made in the image of God with less than the honour and love that God declares they deserve. And it damages our relationship with creation. As creation itself groans under the bondage of our sin, as thorns and thistles fill our work with frustration, as natural disaster ravages our planet, as the indirect and sometimes the direct effect of our sin. But all of this is just a foretaste of the true outcome of living our way. The wages that our sins earn us. All of us who continue to live our way, the way that every human being defaults to, we are facing death and judgment. Eternal destruction in hell is the ultimate end point for each and every one of us who continues living our way. We heard it there in John, whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Like an out-of-control rail cart that is hurtling towards an unfinished bridge, we're headed for certain destruction. But in our case, we're not out of control, actually. Left to our own devices, all of us sit at the control seat with our hand on the accelerator, pushed to full throttle. This is option one of our two ways to live. Our way. Rejecting God as ruler, living our own way, damaged by rebellion, facing death and judgment. One of the ways that we might choose to live in light of the glorious good news of the gospel. In case it's not clear at this point, may I suggest to you that this isn't the best response you might like to have. It is not the best of the two ways to live. So we're going to look at option two, God's new way. Uh, Where our way rejected God as ruler, God's way submits to Jesus as our ruler. Um, It is a right response to the one who's really in charge. Instead of rejecting the good ruler and creator... Here we can submit to the one who died and rose again, the one who reigns eternally upon God's throne. And related to this, the second point, that as we think about who am I trusting, uh, in whom do I put my confidence, where is it? Our way says, I can rightly decide where to live, how to live, sorry, that I can decide what is good, I can decide what the good life looks like. I, I don't know about you, but I am so often wrong. I make mistakes. Um, A a little example of this that I didn't write down, just on Friday, uh, I grabbed a uh, a, a fry pan handle that had just come out of a 230-degree oven. Um, And so that 
was not pleasant. Um, I make dumb mistakes. I don't see the whole picture. I'm sure you've done silly things too. Um, I stumble and I fall. I saw a head shake there. Never done anything silly in your life. Very impressive. Um, I stumble. I, I, when I'm in charge, I hurt others when I don't mean to. Uh, Sometimes at my worst, I, I even intentionally hurt others. I fall short even of my own standards. My own judgment is shaky ground upon which to build my confidence. But God's new way instead invites us to rely upon Jesus' death and resurrection. To say that the ground upon which I want to build my life is not the sand bed of my own preferences and whims, but the firm foundation of what God has done for me in Christ. The good king who reigns eternally, who knows what is best, who rules with justice and mercy and grace. The good king who gave up his very life so that you and I would not have to die eternal deaths. The one who took his life up again days later to demonstrate he had conquered death, our greatest enemy, and began to reign as Lord and Christ. What a great foundation to entrust our lives to. And where our way brought damage and breakdown and heartache, uh, living God's way offers forgiveness. Forgiveness from the God of the whole universe, the very ruler and creator against whom we had all rebelled. In place of relational breakdown, we are offered relational well-being with God. And we begin working towards relational well-being with one another and with our world. A project that will see its completion when Jesus returns. And it's at that moment, at the end of the age, when Jesus returns from heaven, returns to judge, instead of lowering the gavel in what would have been a just and righteous declaration of death and judgment and hell, rather Jesus' arms will be held wide open offering a new life that lasts forever to all who trust in Him. Those who are no longer facing eternal judgment, but are facing eternal life, abundant life, life to the full, where every tear will be wiped from our eyes, where we'll have the great privilege of serving King Jesus rightly, forever, and enjoying the embodied presence of our God for eternity, for uncountable millennia to come. Whoever believes in the Son, John says, has eternal life. This is the best option of our two ways to live. This is the response that the gospel demands. This is the decision that we must all make. And I want, to, I want to say this is not a decision that we can ignore. Um, this isn't like the matrix. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. There is no option here for blissful ignorance. No option to pretend this isn't the case. No option to continue life unimpacted by this news and assuming everything's going to be okay. Jesus has died for sin. He has risen to reign. All of us must respond. And so, how are you going to respond? 
if, if you've heard all of this today over the last six weeks and your answer is that you want to continue living your way, then I guess you mustn't believe what you've been hearing. Maybe you're not convinced that we really are rebels against God, that we have rejected His good and right rule. Maybe you're unconvinced that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Uh, Whatever it may be, if that's you, may I encourage you, please, keep investigating these claims before you move on. The stakes are way too high for any of us to move on without being completely sure. You might like to read through one of the biographies of Jesus' life, the Gospels there in the New Testament. Uh, You might like to come along to the Life series that we do here at church next time that's on. Don't let this good news fall on disinterested ears. It is far too important. But if you're here this morning and you want to respond by living God's way, uh, maybe you've heard this truth that we're all rebels against the good and right rule of the God who made us and loves us. Uh, You've heard the wonderful things that He has done for us in the Lord Jesus, who now rules and who will return, and you want to live God's way. How do we do that? What does that actually look like? Whether this is a decision that you've made long ago, or this is a decision that you're ready to make today, there are three simple things that we can do to live God's way. Talk, submit, trust. The first thing we do is talk to God. Admit to Him that you, like all of us, have rebelled against Him and sought to live life your way instead of His way, that you have sinned and deeply deserve judgment. Thank Him for the forgiveness that He has won for you in the death and resurrection of Jesus and then ask Him to help you change from living your way to living His way with Jesus as ruler. A simple prayer that says to God, sorry, thank you, please. Um, If you've never prayed such a prayer, um, I'm going to lead us in a prayer just like that at the end of this talk. Um, So that's coming up. Today would be a wonderful day for you to pray those things for the first time. Uh, But before we get to that, though, the other two things that we do, um, the next one, submit. Submit to Jesus as your ruler and king, putting into practice the truths acknowledged in that prayer with Jesus as ruler That means that things in your life, that things in all of our lives, will have to change. There will be old, rebellious habits that you'll need to get rid of, that you'll need to put to death, as the Bible often puts it. Greed, anger, selfishness, things that are are not fitting for citizens of Jesus' kingdom. And there'll be new God-honoring habits to put on at generosity, Patience, kindness, love. That process is what the Bible calls repentance, turning away from our own way and turning to God's way. Uh, This step of submitting to Jesus will not be a simple or easy one. Um, It is something that we need to work on for the rest of our lives. But praise God, it's one that we do not need to do on our own. God has promised He will be with us every single step of that way. Um, He speaks to us as we read His Word in the Bible. Um, Every word inspired by God, breathed out by Him, able to make us wise for salvation, 
Every word of Scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. It's by God's Word that He grows us, transforms us, equips us for every good work, as the very God who made the universe speaks to us when we open the Bible. He also listens to us to help in this. He invites us to pray to Him regularly to bring our cares and concerns to Him, our prayers and petitions, our adoration and thanksgiving. The God of the whole universe loves to listen when we speak to Him, to each and every word, and delights in answering our prayers in ways that is best for us and our eternal good. God also gives us His Spirit God himself dwells within each of us who put our faith in him, helping us put our sin to death, helping us change to be more and more like Jesus, reminding us of the truths of Scripture, helping us to live God's way each and every day. And God also gives us one another. He gives us Christian community to encourage us and support us, to spur us on in love and good deeds, to build one another up as we meet regularly, to hear God's Word speak, to sing to God and sing to one another, to remind each other week by week of what God has done for us. These are the wonderful things God does to help us in submitting to Jesus, to make use of all the means of grace, these gifts of God, that we can live with Jesus as King. I want to linger a little longer, though, on this point of submitting to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, He gave His whole life for us. He has redeemed our whole lives from sin and death, and it is our whole lives that ought to submit to Him. There'll be all kinds of opportunities in our lives to make gospel-shaped decisions, to make hard and sacrificial decisions for the sake of God's kingdom. Um, I'm going to hand over, though, to someone far more qualified than me to hammer this home, um, Howard Guinness. Um, This is a man who arrived in Australia in 1930 and established evangelical Christian groups in universities in Melbourne, in Sydney, in Brisbane, uh, in Hobart, impacted me indirectly down the line. Um, Having done the same, he set up these groups in uh, Canada and the UK. And in 1936, uh, he wrote this little book uh, called Sacrifice. And these words I'm going to read, they're potentially a little dated in their wording, so forgive him for that, but their content is deeply timely. Um, Let me read from Howard. Where are the young men and women of this generation who will hold their lives cheap? and be faithful even unto death? Where are those who will lose their lives for Christ's sake, flinging them away out of love for Him? Where are those who will live dangerously and be reckless in His service? Where are His lovers, those who love Him and the souls of men more than their own reputation or comfort or very life? Where are the men who say no to self, who take up Christ's cross to bear it after him, who are willing to be nailed to it in college or office, home or mission field, who are willing, if need be, to bleed, to suffer and to die on it. Where are the men of vision today? Where are the men of enduring vision? Where are the men who have seen the king in his beauty, by whom from henceforth all else is counted but refuse, that they may win Christ? 
Where are the adventurers, the explorers, the pioneers for God who count one human soul of far greater value than the rise and fall of an empire? Where are the men of glory in God-sent loneliness, difficulties, persecutions, misunderstandings, discipline, sacrifice, death? Where are the men who are willing to pay the price for vision? Where are the men of prayer? Where are the men who, like the psalmist of old, count God's word of more importance to them than their daily food? Where are the men who, like Moses, commune with God face to face as a man speaks with his friend and unmistakably bear with them the fragrance of the meeting throughout the day? Where are God's men in this day of God's power? What a challenge to submit to the Lord Jesus. But thirdly, ongoingly, and perhaps most importantly of how to live God's way is to respond by trusting in Jesus. We need to keep putting our trust in the right place, not in ourselves, in anything that we can say or do or think, but in what God has done for us in Jesus. It is only because of Jesus, his death and resurrection, that we can be forgiven and made right with God. It is this truth that we need to keep coming back to again and again and again. Each and every day as we seek to live God's way that is grounded in, that is grown by, that is directed towards this glorious truth that it is all because of Jesus. Jesus has done it all for us now and he reigns on high for eternity. We must never stop relying on him and him alone as the one through whom we're forgiven and offered eternal life. And we really, really do need to keep coming back to this truth because we will still fail. We will still fall short and do the wrong thing and slip into trusting ourselves and doing things our way rather than living under the Lordship of Christ. And it can be tempting in those times to beat ourselves up, to fall into despair at our inability to put our old ways to death, to fear what God may truly think of us, or to doubt His love and forgiveness. This, friends, is why it is so beautiful, so glorious, so wonderful that Jesus has done it all for us. That we trust in someone who is external to ourselves, one who isn't inconsistent and and short in memory, who isn't easily tempted and regularly foolish as I am, as we so often are. We trust in one who is firm and secure and consistent, in one who is perfect in knowledge and righteousness and truth and justice, one whose work is complete and flawless and effective. Jesus, who died and rose again, is the one who has secured our forgiveness for eternity. He is the one God sees when he looks at us, not our filthy rags soiled by sin, but the perfect white of his perfect son. The great promise of the gospel 
is that if this is how you live, not your way, but wholly trusting in what Jesus has done, in a way that leads to submitting to Him, the great promise of the gospel is that God has absolutely forgiven you and given you a whole new life, a new life that has begun now and that will continue into eternity with our great and loving God. But the promise of the gospel is also that if you continue to live your way, rejecting the God who made you and loves you, rejecting His right rule through the resurrected Jesus, you remain under God's just judgment. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. We all have a choice to make. There are only two ways to live. Now, I mentioned earlier that we're going to pray together. We would love to hear from you if this is your first time that you've prayed a prayer like this. So some friends, I believe, are going to distribute a little short survey. Is that happening? Yes, Thomas is on it. Thank you, Thomas. Um, Just a little short, simple form that you can fill out uh, so that we can rejoice with you Uh, that we can help you figure out what it might look like for you to live God's way and follow Jesus. Um, Even if you just want to find out more, uh, if you want to keep chatting about these important things, we would love to hear from you and to get in touch and keep those conversations going. Um, We're going to collect those during the next song, so um, you can start kind of filling that out. Um, While they're being distributed, I'm going to put this prayer up on the screen, and I'm just going to explain what we're going to pray. So here it is. Um, Dear God, I know that I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I'm guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I'm sorry and I need your forgiveness. Um, This is where we say sorry. Um, We acknowledge that we have rebelled against the right rule of our good and loving creator and acknowledge our need for forgiveness. The next one there, thank you for sending your son to die for me so that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. This is where we thank God for all that he has done. Thank him that it's not because of our efforts, but because of Jesus that we have forgiveness and new life. And finally, please forgive me and change me so that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. This is where we ask God to help us to live his way. Help us submit to Jesus' rule to be more like Jesus each and every day. It is a great prayer for all of us to pray, to remind ourselves of the truths that we've been hearing and to keep asking God to transform our lives. And it is especially a great prayer if you've decided that you want to stop living your way and start living God's way. I think they're all out. So we're going to pray this prayer together. Let me lead us in prayer. Dear God, I know that I am not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I am guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I'm sorry, and I need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me so that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me 
so that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. Amen.